0: You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 29 West Tolpahawkin Street. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net.
1: This series about things that Jesus never said is challenging some of our long-held assumptions. These are things that might feel true just by repetition or general acceptance. And we are, we're taking sayings and ideas from which we operate and holding them to the light of Christ so that our minds can be renewed in the wisdom of God rather than the wisdom of the world. So tonight I want to talk about how everyone's entitled to their own opinion. Uh, With so many consumer choices around us, we all hold lots of opinions, and people readily share them. Apple versus Android, DeLisandro's cheesesteaks versus Chubby's, your sports team versus my sports team. I wouldn't know because I don't get into that, but I also had on this list Rita's versus custard cakes and creamery. Um, but anybody who's gonna debate that um, with their opinion will be silenced, of course, because there's only one that remains standing on Ridge Avenue. Those are local, local favorites, of course, but you all have your own. Um, I have opinions like everybody else, uh, but generally, I'm not that interested in debating my opinions. Or or arguing about them, I should say. When people get into debating their opinions and the intellectual sport of it, I usually prefer to step out. Um, Debate and and persuasive argument are not my general MO. I wasn't raised in that. But it's, it's not that simple, really. You can't just stand outside of an argument untouched by everyone's opinion or just let like-minded people stay together, uh, we're impacted by each other. We act on our opinions and our ideas, and that has an effect in the world. Our opinions and ideas influence policies and neighborhoods and personal interactions. And yet it's uh, generally become accepted that everyone is entitled to their own opinion. I think there's some problems with this that I want to start with. Our opinions kind of become our identity. When a conversation gets heated enough or loud enough or goes on long enough, both personally or interpersonally and on a societal level, we become so invested in defending ourselves that our choice becomes who we are. Our opinion about the available options becomes central, a central part of our identity because we don't want to be wrong. So to be somebody, we need to know which side we're on, what our opinion is. This either-or mindset makes, uh, feeds right into, pretty effortlessly, the ability to stereotype people as this or that. And that mindset pairs up with uh, a ranking habit that that we can have about making people not just different, but better or worse, or right or wrong. So you kind of have to have an opinion about everything. And to question someone's opinion becomes an affront to their personhood or their identity. And that leads us into uh, conversation wars, where there are two opposing sides that are fighting to win. This of course is all over the news and social media and no doubt in your neighborhood, in your workplace, much less at your family Thanksgiving table. Um, And once we've been in that kind of a war, our minds have trouble experiencing any safety. We we can become really um, hyper vigilant about being right and pointing out where other people are wrong, and the wounds that we carry from these kinds of battles that we have go into us go with us into the next conversation, or anticipation of the next conversation. So our defenses are up before the person that we're listening to says anything at all and everyone can become a potential opponent. It's exhausting. We're not our best selves when we feel like we have to defend ourselves all the time. The the division serves a real purpose uh, to divide us against each other and, and kind of ensure the status quo. There are systems and people who benefit from maintaining that and even making money off of our opinions. Not just by selling products like Apple or Android, uh, but by polarizing people into different camps and us versus them. And of course, saying that you're against something is an easier choice. Um, Deconstructing other people is easier than building something together. So the status quo continues. I think people carry this kind of hyper vigilance into the church. People are always assessing, do I fit in? Do I belong? Do I agree? I have a different opinion about the cash bail system, for example, and this turn up to bail out event that just happened was getting so much hype. I feel differently about Philly public schools um, and how I raise my kids. Do I really belong here? The type of job that I do and the money that I make seems really different than the people around me. Do I have a place here? When we're always questioning our sense of belonging, it can uh, lead to a lot of isolation and judgment and perceived judgment on us. And that type of thing just fuels itself. Theologian Greg Boyd was writing about this, and he, he I think aptly describes our problem, so I wanna read to you what he said. He was writing about how MRI tests have demonstrated that when people confront alleged facts um, that challenge their deeply held beliefs, their amygdala, which is the, the in charge of their fight or flight reflex, kicks into gear. And their prefrontal lobe cortex, which is in charge of reasoning, tends to shut down. On the other hand, when people encounter alleged facts that confirm their deeply held beliefs, the pleasure center of their brain gets activated. And their prefrontal lobe cortex, again, tends to shut down. This is why it's very difficult to think objectively or talk rationally about beliefs that we are passionate about. Our brains literally work differently when we're in fight or flight. Uh, he goes on a little bit later to say that when liberal or, and conservative minded people no longer have to see that the, the world through each other's eyes, they get hardened in their perspectives and in time they lose the willingness and even the ability to understand the perspectives of those who they fundamentally disagree with, their deeply held beliefs. Those who oppose them, therefore, can't possibly be doing so on a rational or moral grounds, which means they must be either stupid or immoral. They therefore cannot be reasoned with. They must simply be defeated. More and more, our thoughts and opinions are who we are and we feel we have to battle for them. Dialogue cannot happen if we don't undo this problem. Jesus makes a way for us. Where where this wisdom of the world entrenches us in a war, Jesus frees us. We can agree to agree. In love that binds us together, we become our true selves in Christ. We're working out a place of safety in order to have Dialogue. We are not the essence of our opinions. We're being transformed by the renewing of our minds, by the love that binds us together. It literally makes our brains work differently when we enter into this dangerous territory. Our opinions are not our identity. In John 17, Jesus prays for us. I go back to this passage often. So I hope we can read it together. Would someone read it out for us? John 17, 20 through 26.
0: My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me, I am with you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one, as we are one, I am them, and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, known to them, and will continue to make you known, in order that the love you have for me may be in them, and that I myself may be in them.
1: Jesus himself is in us. We can agree, because that's who we are, even when we disagree. I don't need to lock into an encampment against you. I need to love you. We are not at war against each other. We're on a mission to put on love. We have forever to figure this out. As your other pastor, Ben, has said, I can creatively disagree with you for a long time, but not forever. Eventually, we will get it right. I'm sure Jesus will need to redirect all of us in the meantime. But we can keep working it out. Uh, Jesus' alternative for us in community looks like dialogue. Dialogue with Jesus builds community. Our opinions don't bind us. We are not at war with each other. We can soften our certainty and diminish our personal opinions in order to increase the dialogue and to have a group process where Jesus can be revealed. We practice listening to each other and being reconciled. We even have a proverb that says, it's better to be reconciled than to be right. When you actually try to apply that, it does require something that's hard enough for Jesus. This may sound harsh, but I told a friend this week that I'm tired of hearing the same story over and over again about why he stands where he stands. He was hurt by somebody who was wrong uh, in what they said. But that hurt can organize our defenses and entrench us. And that's not from God. So I said to him, don't obey this other person. Obey God. The freedom that comes from that looks like a life of love, not a defense against it. And that sounds foolish, I know, uh, and far too risky. But I need something foolish to counter the wisdom of the world. The world is teaching me that I have to defend myself by othering everyone else, or something bad is gonna happen. The essence of myself will be diluted. My identity will be compromised. Jesus is making a whole new creation of us. Jesus is relating to us and walking among us in the body, directing our hearts and our minds to God and making the way safe enough that we don't have to be organized by our fear. We can face our fears and try it out. One example of how this we, we do this in dialogue uh, One current example is in making our budget. We don't make our budget like a lot of other places and people do. There's probably at least 20 people with hands on our budget, and it's prone to be a hot mess. It's required a lot of dialogue. But in that dialogue, we're working out our opinions and what Jesus is calling us to Jesus needs to be revealed. The glory of God needs to be revealed in the practical ways that we express our life together, through our money, for example. If you're in a cell, and I hope that you are, you'll probably be talking about money this week or coming up soon um, because it, takes, it does take dialogue. And when we share in the Common Fund, we're using our hearts to act out what God is doing on our insides. We we know that money and all of our treasures mean something big to each of us. It, It touches our sense of safety, even our sense of survival. Money is deep. So when we're sharing our money together, we're connecting that deep part of us to God. And in the discipline of generosity, we remember who we are and we nurture our integrity and we maintain our trust in God in whom our hearts are safe. But we have to work that out all the time. It's so easy for our hearts to get organized around our money. There's lots of other examples of how we do this, but that is one that's coming up. I hope you'll add more in our talk back time. Uh, But one way we can do this together uh, this week is to develop our capacity to listen, to act as an integral part of the church and to listen to someone else, to ask a question and to be respectful, to listen and learn. I think that's one way we work to empathize with the heart of God. Jesus asked more questions than he answered. He was trying to get into the heart of things. We work for common understanding um, through mutuality and solidarity, and it takes a lot of dialogue. For people who are wondering if they have a place here, if they fit in, for people who are wondering if you have to know about all of this stuff that we care about, if you have to share the same opinion, the answer is that you belong, not because of what people's opinions are, but because of Jesus. We're actively working to undo the effects of our warring influences uh, by being in cells that dialogue together. It's hard, I think it's really hard, to change our fundamental assumptions about ourselves and other people and the world around us. These assumptions have guaranteed predictability. And in a hostile environment, They've provided a way of structuring our relationships and our reality that creates a false sense of safety, usually based on binary thinking. Jesus' love leads us into an alternative to that. He prayed us into that kind of love, and then he died to demonstrate that love. To follow him will require some death of our own. We need to die to our dearly held beliefs about what makes us who we are and gives us identity so that we can be raised up to a new life in Christ. His love is deep and wide and long and high enough to encompass all of us and to free us from our fear. You can be safe with Jesus. In dialogue, in community, keep talking about where your defenses come up, what you're afraid of. Don't get stuck in your own head just collecting evidence that reinforces your otherness or others' otherness. We have to keep actively working out our love and togetherness. It doesn't just happen because we say it is. The glory of God needs to be revealed. How else can you love like Jesus did on your own, with only people who share your opinions? That is not the kingdom of God. So let's create something that looks so drastically different from the world that Jesus is the only explanation.
0: Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our connect dropdown at circleofhope.net